0: Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness podcast. Uh, I'm Jonathan Warner, uh, here with Sean again, and we have a busy podcast. Uh, August 3rd, yesterday, was draft decision day for many of the college prospects. And this past weekend, so many day so many teams, and a lot of it is really positive for college basketball. A lot of different players have announced they're coming back. Uh, We'll start with Luca Garza, who's probably going to be the preseason national player of the year. Uh, Stay tuned to see if he's the number one player on the Making the Madness top 100 player rankings, but we'll start with Luca Garza. We kind of discussed on the YouTube channel. Make sure to check that out. What do you make of Garza's decision to return to Iowa?
1: I mean, it's obviously big for college basketball. Obviously, it was expected by most, but he did apparently have offers to go overseas for a large amount of money. So, just listening to him talk, he said none of that was worth passing up where they could potentially have this season in Iowa City. I mean, they return a lot. They have Jordan Bohannon, who – I wouldn't judge his play based off of last season because he was clearly hurt, and he said he only wanted to play through the Iowa State game because he wanted to play uh, in Ames one more time. And C.J. Frederick, you know, he was hurt. I think he had a foot issue, and he had foot surgery a few months ago. He's an elite shooter, Joe Wieskamp. He had a down sophomore season efficiency-wise. You know, he's he's a fine player, too. He could be an NBA guy one day. And then you got Connor McCaffrey, who's a really good glue guy. He is the only uh, Iowa player that has like an above 1.5 DBPM, so defensive box plus minus. I know that doesn't. I know sometimes stats don't always tell the full story, but I feel like in most cases it gives you a good generalization of what a team is and. Iowa's was uh, DB PM are all terrible besides McCaffrey. So I think that shows you how bad of a defensive team they are. And I think they're one of the best, they might be the best offensive team in college basketball, but they need to be able to not allow a hundred points every game.
0: Yeah. Friend. It's ironic that a, it's Fran McCaffrey's son. That's the only good defensive player on Iowa, given it's a Fran McCaffrey's coach team, but for Iowa, offensively they're going to once again be lethal uh you got Garza he can go in you know play inside out and is just an elite elite score uh can really he's started working on his three-point game if he can become like a consistent three-point shooter just look out because there there's nothing stopping this Iowa team offensively defensively you kind of mentioned the concerns they ranked, I believe, 85th in and Palm a season ago, uh, in deficient, defensive efficiency. Uh, if I think if they want to legitimately be like a title contender, they're going to have to dramatically improve that. We'll see if they play like a zone. I think they played zone defense a couple years ago. We'll see if maybe they switch to zone or how they defend exactly. But for Iowa, this a team with a lot of the, expectations going into this season it's probably on paper the best team they will have maybe this century uh the last won the Big Ten back in 1979 so we'll see if they can do that but uh, certainly they they have high expectations the defensive concerns are still going to be there which is why I'm not you know myself personally all that high on Iowa but they'll they'll definitely be fun to watch once again
1: yeah and like i'm also not very high on this team because defense is so important like i know in the nba not really right because you see the rockets and what was it mavericks they had like 160 to 152 or something like that and the yeah. nba is not all that important in college basketball it is like you look at virginia They're a defensive team, and that happened to be the one team that could score consistently. If they were down, they can come back, and they won the national championship. And then you just – defense is just so important in college basketball. You need to be able to be a consistent defensive team.
0: Yeah, and the the other thing, too, is I think you need a good combination if you're, like, really thinking about making a run. Obviously, you need to be a good defensive team, but if you're, like – Villanova offensively, I think 2018, they were just like a wrecking ball. And they they it was probably one of Jay Wright's worst defensive teams, but they were able to just score 90 points a game and get to and win the national championship. If Iowa can kind of become like even that 2018 Villanova team defensively, which I think is kind of you know, a little bit above their heads. I think if they can be like the 50th best defensive team in the sport, I think they can legitimately, you know, make a deep run, maybe contend for a final four national championship. But defensively, they do need to get better. Luka Garza needs to get better. Uh, Just thinking back to last year, watching them play Michigan State, Xavier Tillman was the best player in that game. And it was just because Tillman was able to, want, on one end, stop you know, defensively. And then when he and Cassius Winston got in the pick and roll, that was an automatic two points on like th- four straight possessions. So it, mm-hmm. Luka Garza needs to get better defensively. I think you can kind of scheme Iowa. I think their team, maybe in the first round or the Sweet 16 round, you'll see a lot of team. I think that's where they'd probably be most likely to uh, go down because they're kind of a team that is able to be schemed against, but certainly good news for Iowa going into next season. they have high expectations and uh, they they should be you know looking forward to next season and whatever version this season comes into.
1: yeah, definitely I just finishing my point on Iowa, I have them. You know, I think I'm gonna I'm doing my top 100 right now. I'm not that far in, but I think I'll have them around 11, 12, 13 area, and I am going to have them fourth in the Big Ten. That sh- that just shows how deep the Big Ten is, though. I don't think it really speaks to Iowa. I just think that overall, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan State are better teams.
0: Yeah, and I I certainly agree kind of with that statement. The Big Ten is loaded next year. You, Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin. You just name those teams. But, you know, Wreckers, they they were fun last year. They went they had the same record in conference as Iowa uh, and they returned basically everybody. Ohio State loses some pieces, but I don't think they're going anywhere. Chris Holtman's a really good coach. Michigan has talents. Indiana's returning basically everyone. The Big Ten's going to be really fun, you know, a really deep. Fun league, and I could see another situation where like fourteen and six, thirteen and seven, ends up, you know, taking the title in the Big Ten. Yeah, definitely. Moving on, going to the Baylor Bears. Uh, big news for Baylor is both Macy O'Teague and Jared Butler are both back for uh, another season. I believe Teague is going to be a senior if I'm remembering correctly. It appears that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butler's going to be a junior. I think both these players, it's going to be their last year's in college, obviously. Teague, certainly, but Jared Butler, I think, is going to be next year heading to the NBA. Uh, first, touch on Jared Butler, then going to Teague. For Butler, it's a huge decision for him to come back. He's kind of a really just solid all-around player. I He, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He's a Good shooter, not you know necessarily a lead. He's a good ball handler, can run point, run off the ball. He's not a lead in any of that, you know, area of the game, but he's just really good and probably going into next season a first-team All-American.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Baylor's a really good team. I have them ranked second, and it's just because they're such a good defensive team. I mean, they're really good offensively, of course. With Butler, he's a very talented uh, scorer. For sure. He's a really good defender also. And then Macy Oteague, he shot 45% from three in his sophomore season at UNC Asheville before transferring and sitting out in 2018-2019. He shot 35% from beat this season. But I think that one thing a lot of people forget, he played the last two months of the season with like a broken wrist, or yeah. a sprint wrist or something, on his shooting hand. So obviously that's going to affect him quite a bit and it's kind of noticeable. But he's a good defender, too, so you can kind of, you know, make it work, and he's still a plus player on the floor, even if he can't really shoot. I mean, you have Davion Mitchell, who, you know, he had nearly 10 points a game, but I feel like it's kind of misleading because his efficiency numbers are kind of terrible. And, but he's a really good defender, too. And Mark Vidal is one of the least appreciated players in college basketball. He's an elite defender, and he does just enough offensively, getting putbacks, throwing down a couple lobs, and then Tristan Clark when healthy, which has been very rare, is a very talented player. He just needs to stay healthy, and he hasn't been able to do that.
0: Yeah, certainly. We'll, we'll see on Tristan Clark if he can stay healthy. Because two years ago, I think he was shooting like 70% from the floor, averaging like 14 and 10 or something like that, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, before his ACL tear. He's had now probably about a little bit, by the time the season starts, he'll have about two years, close to two years since that ACL tear. We'll see if he can kind of be the same level of player. I'm not expecting him to be like, if you're telling me you get that version of Tristan Clark pre ACL tear, I think Baylor can easily be the favorite to win the national championship. Uh, and they'll easily be the favorite in the big 12, but can't really trust Clark being able to go exactly back to a hundred percent. Uh, they'll, I think they definitely need uh, Dane Danger and Flo Thamba in the front court, you know, along with Clark. Because I, I still don't think even if Clark is healthy and able to play at that, you know, similar amount of level, I still don't think he's going to be able to be on the court for too much longer than twenty, twenty-five minutes a game. But going, going to Baylor, Macy Oteague obviously. Good secondary scorer you know good shooter he'll be important davion mitchell is kind of he's such an interesting player because he's so good defensively i'd argue just in terms of on ball defense you know just shutting down a another team's guard i would say he's probably the you know best you know one-on-one on ball defender against point guards that there is in the sport uh his and he's a good passer. He has all the skills. He if he can, you know, he someone that kind of just rushes to play. He, you know, too often you see him, you know, 20 seconds in the shot clock checking up a 30 foot three. If he kind of lets the game come to him, he's going to be a really good, important piece for Baylor.
1: Yeah, and another guy not to forget off the bunch is Adam Flagler, a transfer from Presbyterian who sat last season. He shot 38% from deep in his true freshman season. You know, that's a guy that could play a big role just because... He could be the third. He, he's going to be the third scoring option, really. I mean, Mitchell, he can. I don't think he's a consistent enough scorer to be that guy. Vital is pretty limited offensively, but though, Mitchell and Vital aren't there to play offense. And then Tristan Clark, he could be that guy, but I can't trust that he can stay healthy enough. I think Thaddeus is going to play a huge role on this team, and I think people are. I don't know how many people know about him right now, but people will very soon.
0: Yeah, I think. The perfect comparison, I think he's going to be exactly kind of what Devontae Bandu is going to be. Kind of a guy that comes in six-man off the roll and being like a good eight-point-per-game type of score just as a six-man that plays like 20 minutes a game. I think that's perfect role for him.
1: Yeah, I agree with that for sure.
0: Moving on, uh, going back to the Big Ten, uh Staying with Illinois, uh, Ayo uh he's back for his junior season. Kofi Coburn is back for sophomore season. The Illini uh, become, I think they're your favorite. They become my favorite to win the Big Ten going into next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you make out of both these decisions?
1: Um, not surprised. I mean, a lot of people were by DeSumno, but I've said for a while, just for based off what I heard and just how things seem to be going and for him to come back. I mean, on mock drafts, he wasn't projected to get picked. We know that there's going to be an actual combine. And those are all things he cited when he spoke with Jeff Goodman deciding to come back. And he wants to bring a championship to Illinois. I think this is one thing to consider when you're one of these players who didn't get a witness March Madness. It's not just that you want to have the atmosphere of March Madness and feel how it is and all that. You can raise your draft stock significantly from a good run in March Madness. You just look at Carson Edwards. He was terrible in Big Ten play. His uh, last season, his junior season at Purdue, he was bad. He was not good at all. He struggled a ton in Big Ten play. And then in the tournament, he went off and nearly was a first-round pick. It just shows how much playing good on that stage can improve your draft stock. And DeSumo's is the kind of guy who can drop 35 on any given night and lead Illinois to a Final Four. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is, so I'm not really shocked he came back. I think, had there been a March Madness, he would have been a first-round pick and he was gone, without a doubt. But that just shows the effect the pandemic had on college basketball. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the other way around, that players would want to go play overseas. And we did see that a little bit with, like, Isaiah and Mike. He decided to sign overseas. And then you saw some other guys, like, but who aren't anywhere?
0: Huh? petrus
1: yeah him too but uh, like other guys who aren't going to be nba players like ryan murphy who transferred to tulane he left and he's going to go play overseas isaac white who transferred to cal baptist i believe from stanford he decided to go pro like a bunch of guys who weren't that weren't stars in college are opting to leave but the stars are coming back which is vastly more important for college basketball And Kofi Coburn is 7 feet, 290 pounds. I think that's all I really need to say on that.
0: Yeah, Kofi Coburn is... If he can work on being... I I think a great comparison for him is Yudoka Azabuke. If he can kind of become a little bit more mobile, just as a player, he's going to be just an absolute monster at some point, whether it is this year or next year, whenever it is. He's just going to be absolutely, you know, unstoppable down low and stay staying with the uh here real quick. I think uh, some of the decisions have been, you know, where you're projected to go the second round. Well, if you're going to the second round, you might next year be on a G League roster. We don't know if the would have been on a G League roster or not, but if you've don't make it in the NBA next season, you're probably not getting a season because I don't think the G League's going to mm-hmm. be playing next season. It, no, there's no way. Yeah. So you come back to college, uh, while there's no guarantee, I guess, college basketball's playing. I think there's a pretty good chance that we'll get some sort of season, uh, whether there'll be fans, whether it'll be in a giant bubble with 253 defensive D one teams, uh, And I think we'll definitely get March Madness this upcoming season because the NCAA cannot afford to not have a March Madness once again. We'll get a March Madness this upcoming season. I think Illinois, he knows he'll be able to play in March Madness, improve the draft stock just a little bit. And even if there is no season, well, he's still going to move up draft boards because you're going to be like the top 15 prospects from – that are coming into college or going to go maybe in the top 15 or 20, but then there's going to be guys like Desumnu who, even if there is no season, is going to just naturally move up the draft boards because there's no games to sample size, so he'll just naturally move up. Plus, you add in that you know he gets to continue getting, a, getting an education at Illinois, which is a really good academic school. I think the decision, while it was kind of surprising, you know, you break it down a little bit more, I think it makes a ton of sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. I just think that overall, like, there was so much for, and let's just go back on the G League and college basketball season right now. Uh, right now, I think the G League, the G Leagues, is a money loser for the NBA. They only have it as a developmental tool and for these guys to be available for NBA teams. there's not going to be a G-League season. I see little to no chance of that. So they'd have to go play overseas, which, I mean, you can make good money, but you also don't get to live in the same country as your family. So that could also be an issue for some guys. And then if you go back to school, I would say there's a 99.9% chance we have a college basketball season. Will it start in November. I would say 50-50 on that right now, but... Like, college football looks to be starting on in late August in some conferences and late September in other conferences. I mean, there's no reason to believe that we won't have college uh, basketball in November right now because even though the MLB had two, one solidly big outbreak, I guess, and one kind of minor outbreak, the Marlins are back to playing baseball today and the Cardinals are going to be back to playing baseball Friday. The MLB, besides those two outbreaks, and they both broke protocol and did irresponsible things, the MLB has handled it pretty well. So I think if the MLB can handle it well and the players can follow most protocols, obviously on a college campus it's tougher, but I think they can make it work whether they start during the long Thanksgiving break or whatever they're going to have and it's going to be just athletes on campus, then that's what they're going to do. They're going to make it work.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with the they'll find a way to make it work. It'll be an interesting season. I don't think we'll see jam-packed arenas, you know, Cameron Indoor Stadium, Allen Fieldhouse aren't going to be sitting the usual amount of you know, people in the stands, but at the same point it's going to be a really it'll be an interesting season, but there will definitely I think be a season because one thing is just so much money is at stake for the NCA that they can't possibly not have a season of some sort. Yeah,
1: for sure. And then you look at just going back to the point on Illinois. I mean, this is a really good team. I mean, I have them third in my top 100. I have them first in the big 10. I mean, Trent Frazier really became a very good defender on ball last season and you know he really struggled offensively. He shot 40% from three, 2018, 2019, and 30% last season. I have no reason to believe he can't go back to the around 40%. Then you have Demonte Williams, who's one of the elite defenders in college basketball. Then at the he he's gonna play the four, and then you have Adam Miller, who's an elite shooter at the three. Who I think he's a five-star recruit. He might barely be a four-star, but I think he's a five. And then Kofi Coburn. Then off the bench you have Jacob Grandison Transfer from Holy Cross, who's a great shooter. Same thing with Austin Hutcherson. He's a D3 transfer. And Jordy very you know, he really struggled last season, too. I think a lot of it was confidence-related because fans were getting on him. He seems to be a guy who's really tough on himself, so I think that contributed to it. And then Andre Curbelo is the top 50 prospect who really raised up the uh, rankings this year. And he's a true point guard. He's in a, I don't know how big of a role he'll play this season, but... In 2021-22, he'll be a really big player. And then Coleman Hawkins, I believe he's a three-star recruit, but he's 6'10", 195, so pretty skinny. But, he, you know, 6'10", you can't teach size. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can't can't teach 6'10". And I, I don't see him necessarily having a big role just because of Coburn and Bishanisvili in front of him. But he can contribute. This is a, just a really solid roster all around. Uh, and Illinois definitely, I think, is the favorite to win the Big Ten. I've seen some people have Iowa. I've seen some people have Michigan State. I've seen s- some people had was, have Wisconsin. I had Wisconsin before Desumnew decided to come back, but with Desumnew coming back, I think uh, Illinois is the top team in the Big Ten, uh, and I know you do as well.
1: Without a doubt.
0: Next thing going out West, Remy Martin has announced he's coming back. Uh, he is probably the preseason favorite to win Pac-12 Player of the Year. I know you're big on the Will Richards bandwagon, but I think Martin's mm. probably going to be the preseason favorite. Average 19 points, four assists a game, uh, season and go. He's really fun. Heads, he, he definitely has some head-scratching plays, but he, his ability... He, he finds kind of angles that other players don't. I remember uh I think it was his freshman season he like jumped up, dribbled the ball through his leg and then found the ball and did like a reverse layup. That those are just the highlights you get with okay. Remy Martin and he's certainly a fun player to watch. Uh but he's back for his senior season. He'll be an important piece for an Arizona State team that is probably the preseason favorite to win the league
1: yeah definitely I have them first I have Oregon as a close second but the reason I don't have Remy Martin being the Pac-12 player of the year is I just think Arizona State has too much for one player to really stand out alone you have Remy Martin you had 19 a game last season I don't think you'll have that again I do, because I think his efficiency numbers will go up quite a bit. I think he's going to shoot the ball less. Alonzo Verge is one of the most craftiest scores in college basketball. He can create for himself like not many others can. Then you have Joshua Christopher, who's a five-star recruit, number one recruit in Arizona State history. Yes, history. Ahead of James Harden, Jahe Carson. You name it, he's ahead of all of them. And then you have... At the fourth spot, you have three guys in Kamani Lawrence, Tayshawn Cherry, and Marcus Bagley, who can all play a big role, especially Bagley and Cherry. Then at the five, you have Jalen Graham. Then off the bench, you have Jalen House, who's an elite on ball defender. He makes other guards have fits with the ball. I mean, they just. He caused so much, like, trapping guys in corners and forcing bad passes a lot last season. Then you have Chris Austin, who I spoke to in interviews on MakingTheMadness.com. com. spoke to him when he, the day he committed to Arizona State. He was a Juco guy who had one offer, and it was to Arizona State. He prides himself on defense and told me his only personal goal is to be on the Pac-12 all-defensive team. And then you have Pablo Ziuba, or Pablo Ziuba who's a 16-year-old Ukrainian recruit who is a shooter, He's a pretty talented. Uh, Spymacailus Part Two. Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty talented guy too. And then you have Caleb Christopher, who's the brother of Josh Christopher. I don't really know how good he actually is. I feel like a lot of him coming to Arizona State had to do with that. Uh, he had a brother that was a five-star recruit. And then Holland Woods is an interesting one. He's a transfer from Portland State. He had 19 and 6 last season, and he's got, He applied for a waiver. That's confirmed, but will he, he will get one. I'm 90% sure because he's from Phoenix. He's going to get a waiver, but will he decide to use it? He doesn't have to use it, but does he decide, do I want to play next season and be a starter alongside Luther Muhammad, who's a transfer from Ohio State who's sitting this season, or do I want to play – 12 to 20 minutes a game on a team that could be a Final Four team. I think there's this a decision to be made there, and if he plays this season, Arizona State's even more dangerous.
0: Yeah, it, with Woods, I personally not knowing the kid and you know just going from kind of blind speculation, I definitely kind of see a scenario where he decides, hey, I'm gonna sit out this season, even if he does get the waiver, uh, just mm-hmm. because. You get a bigger role playing as the point guard uh, next season. Once Remy Martin, once Alonzo Verge are both gone, Uh, Josh Christopher as well, he and Luther Muhammad will be a really good backcourt. And then as for the, you know, with Martin, he's going to be, I think you mentioned it, he'll be a little bit more efficient this season. I think he'll try to just maybe tone it down and be more of a passing player, which I think could be good for his role. You have three elite, you know, scores. I'm throwing Josh Christopher. I'm throwing Alonzo Verge there, at, alongside Martin. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what t- type of performance we have. Uh. Tayshon Cherry, he's, you know, been up and down his career. Kamai Lawrence is uh, a solid role player as well, uh, and then Marcus Bagley is going to be fun to watch. He kind of, I just look at the two four seven recruiting rankings. He ended up being a top three recruit he he's kind of a player that ended up skyrocketing up the recruiting rankings mm-hmm. this is going to be a really fun arizona state team going into next season and i think right now they're the at least for you and i i think we're both considering arizona state the favorite i think ucla can maybe save they could be get consideration uh oregon as well but arizona state i think is the team to beat right now in the league
1: yeah i 100 percent agree the one two three for everybody should be arizona state oregon and ucla you can debate the order i guess but this is such a deep league this season i mean stanford's a good team even without tyrell terry colorado's a good team even without tyler bay these there's only two really not good teams and that's washington state with losing cj Ellaby and oregon state Those are the only two bad teams. in USC, they have Evan Mobley, who was the number one recruit in this class for a long time before Cade Cunningham passed him. And then you just look at two teams that I think are really under the radar and nobody is talking about is Cal and Washington. Washington is a team that has Quad A Green, who I am very big on. I am a big fan of Quad A Green. Obviously, when he became academically ineligible last season, they became a disaster, and they were terrible. And they they beat Baylor last season in the first game of the year when Quade Green was on the floor. I feel like a lot of people forget that. And they have two guys who should receive waivers, and Eric Stevenson, a transfer from Wichita State, who was up and down, but he has a smooth jumper. He's just a talented scorer. And Cole Bajima or Badgerman maybe, I'm not exactly sure you say. He's a transfer, he's a wing guy from Michigan. He's another really good shooter. And then you have Naziah Carter, who is going to be a senior. He's one of the best athletes in college basketball. Hamir Wright, you have Raekwon Battle, who can knock down threes. You have Marcus Sajonas, who played a big role last season when Green was out. And with Cal, you have Matt Bradley, who looks like a... NFL running back just based on how big he is he's one of the strongest looking guards I've seen in a while but he's a really talented scorer you have Mikhail Foreman who transferred in from Stony Brook you have Ryan Betley who transferred in from Penn you have Grant Antisovich who is a very he has a lot of talent he just needs to figure out how to be more consistent then you have Lars Thiemann who's a seven-footer who I also think can be very good soon and then Andre Kelly if he becomes just stronger and able to stay on the floor longer I think he could be a big piece at some point too
0: yeah I definitely think the Pac-12 is gonna be a fun conference to watch you see improvements with California you see improvements with Washington I think Utah is gonna be really fun even despite losing Booth Gotch who should receive a waiver within the next two to two thousand days uh, to play at Minnesota Uh, Oregon State Washington State you know moving real quick to CJ LLB, CJ decide to stay in the draft. Washington state's kind of a team that's going to be in rebuild mode going into next season, but the Cougars, I think are still going to be good in the long run. Uh, obviously Isaac Bonson's returning this year. I think he's going to be once again, pretty good. They've got, they've improved their recruiting class in the uh, past couple of years under Kyle Smith. I think, Right now, next season's going to be a rebuild year. I could see them. I still think Oregon State's far and away the worst team in the Pac-12, but Washington State certainly has a claim to that. But I think going forward, Washington State's going to be better. We'll see about Oregon State, not looking too optimistic there. But the league, really, outside of that, is going to be fun. Arizona's bringing in uh, like six... You know, international prospects, I think they'll be, you know, improved from a season ago. Maybe maybe the upside isn't quite there what it was a season ago with Mannion and Josh Green, but I think Arizona can be a tournament team. Colorado has McKinley right back, a good recruiting class, a good group of incoming players. I think they'll be, once again, really good. USC can't count out because they have one of the best freshmen in Evan Mobley, as well as his brother Isaiah Mobley, Ethan Anderson, I think is taking a step forward. This is going to be a fun Pac-12 league race. Uh, I do think it, it's a three-headed head, monster at the top, but you know, looking four through ten, even it's going to be you know really fun on a, Any given night, you could end up with a situation where maybe the fourth best team is playing a home game and gets beat by the 10th best team because anything can happen. Pac-12 after dark.
1: Oh yeah. Big time. Pac-12 after dark, Dave Pash, Bill Walton, nothing like it.
0: Yeah. We're going to stay in the Pac-12. Uh, Tyrell Terry did decide he is going to, uh, stay in the NBA draft. He's probably going to be, I've seen him anywhere from like 20 to 40 on draft boards. I think he'll end up going, you know, maybe late second or late first, early second. He'll be drafted. It does hurt Stanford going into next season just because he is a really solid point guard, was able to be a really good primary initiator. But they still have Zaire Williams. They still have Oscar De Silva, uh, Dejan J- Davis, is back. Spencer Jones, Bryce Wills. It's still going to be a good team. Uh, I think the upside isn't quite what it was uh, with Terry in the lineup, obviously. But I think going into next season, Stanford still should be good.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, You know, one thing I did in my top 50 rankings and all the rankings I've done up until the players decided... The ones I felt confident in coming back, like Dissimula, Dissimula. I had him in all of my rankings. I had Terry in none of my rankings involving Stanford or the Pac-12. I just never saw him coming back. It never made sense for him to come back. I mean, he's a guy who's probably going to be a first-round pick. I mean, I'd take him over Mannion. I would take him over Trey Jones. I would take him probably over Grant Riller. Probably over Malachi Flynn and over Cassius Winston, too, probably. Those are five guys who are first-rounders, maybe second-rounders. They're all kind of in the same general area. I would take Terry over all of them. But for Stanford... You know, Dejon Davis, he really has regressed since his freshman season, which is weird. I still think he's talented, and he didn't have the ball in his hands as much last season because he's a true point guard and didn't have that role last season with Tyrell Terry there. Then you have Bryce Wills, who's really athletic, solid defender, great athlete, throws down some crazy dunks. He's a terrible shooter, though. He really needs to improve upon that. Then Zaire Williams is very, very talented. He's a wing guy but he can also play the four. Spencer Jones is a guy who's an elite shooter. He kind of is like the same role as Zaya Williams, but not as good. But I think he'll have a very good season. Then Oscar De Silva, hopefully he can bulk up a little bit and be more of a true five man. And then off the bench, I mean, you have Jaden Delaire who had six a game last season. He's, he's talented off the bench. I mean, that's all he can really ask for. Then recruiting-wise, they have Michael O'Connell, who was a – he ended up being like a top 105 recruit. He was committed to play lacrosse at um, Maryland before deciding to go to Stanford to play basketball. If it wasn't for the pandemic, it sounded like he was probably going to go play lacrosse at Maryland. And then you have Max Morell, who's a power forward, but he's like 6'9", 190. He's so pretty skinny. I don't know what kind of role he's going to play this season. But Brandon Angel, who is a wing guy, I, he's a really good shooter too. He can play a big role in this team. And then you have Lucas Casunas, who's – I think he's seven foot tall, but, you know, again, can't teach size. So that kind of thing could be important. 6'11",
0: Lucas Casunas. Yeah.
1: We can lie and say he's seven foot, so that's fine. Yeah,
0: we're, we're running up here. Uh, you're six feet tall. I'm seven feet tall. Right yeah, I'm like
1: just about six feet tall if I was like wearing heels, I guess. So yeah, we're good. Oh,
0: we we round up to the next height. Six yeah. one is seven foot, five one is six foot, anything like that. But the yeah, five the six.
1: Hold
0: on. yeah, so easily six foot. Yeah, yeah. But th- this is gonna be a fun team. I think Oscar da Silva, uh when he was on the court, he missed that one game after uh getting hit in the head by Evan Batty. Uh, let's hope he doesn't get, he doesn't have any scary falls this year, but when he's on the court, he's just really good inside. He's, you know, six, nine, it's just a physical presence and that he's going to be really important this year. Uh, Zaire Williams. He's just a you know great player. He's going to be first round NBA pick. He's going to be definitely important for the Stanford team. I think that, This Sanford team, I still don't put them in the top three of the league. I think it's still Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona State at the top. But I think they're going to be kind of in that next tier. They would probably be my preseason number four team in the Pac-12. And they'll they'll be good. I think Jared Haas is going to get to the NCAA tournament. And if he doesn't... I think it might be time to put him on the hot seat officially Stanford.
1: Whoa. Oh, let's well, I don't know about that. Come on now. Jared has Stanford's the toughest coaching job in the Power 5 and I'll die on the hill forever because they can lose transfers like Cormac Ryan and I understand any player that transfers it just sucks because I believe academic requirements and transfer credits they can't take transfers really so they can lose Reed Travis, who had like 18 a game his junior season, to Kentucky, and Cormac Ryan, who's a top 50 recruit, but they can't get anybody, transfer-wise.
0: I, I get the transfer issue. My my thing is, Stanford, the high academics is something that can bring in the you know top-caliber players. That's like Isaiah Williams, who decided to go just because of kind of the academic... Reasons I think it attracts kind of those type of players, and I think one, I think Stanford's gonna have a good season. uh, But my thinking is just you for Stanford, I think they're a really good team, and I don't agree necessarily with the toughest job that belongs to DePaul because no one can win there.
1: No, Dave is just a terrible coach. Maybe he needs to like not be their coach anymore, and they'll probably be fine. After he left for Virginia or whatever, and then they were still terrible, they're like, you know what, let's just bring him back. And they win, like, 16 games this year, and they win, I think, three Big East games. They're like, let's give him a four-year extension because being a subpar at your job— gets you a four-year extension for a lot of money. See, I wish I was in an occupation one day where I could be bad at my job and get a four-year extension. I mean, that'd be awesome. I mean, no disrespect to Dave Leo, he's just not a good coach.
0: It, the the four-year extension, especially at the money he's making, because they, they're way overpaying for his services. If you're going to give him a four-year extension, uh, he should be making like $100,000 a year. Realistically, yeah, staying, not a good coach. Not staying a in man. the Pac-12, uh, we've talked about this team kind of danced around them, uh, but UCLA has returned Chris Smith for another season. Uh, this is huge for Sta- or UCLA. He's kind of that perfect four man for the Bruins. He kind of steps in, plays the four and can, you know, he can shoot it not an elite shooter by any means, but he's kind of like able to play kind of, he's a good sw- switch player is what I'm kind of getting at. He's able to play kind of that one through four. He's a decent shoot. He's not like an elite shooter, but he can step out, pick and pop and hit some threes. Uh, and he, at the four position, Johnny Juzang, uh Tiger Campbell, uh, Jake, off the bench, Jaime Hawkins, Jaime Hawkes. Uh, this is going to be a really fun UCLA team that I think is poised to make the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time under Mick Cronin. They might have made it last year, but they're definitely going to make it this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I spoke about this, I think, in the YouTube video and in my story about Chris Smith. Uh, obviously, getting Chris Smith back is huge, and he's six foot nine. I didn't know that. Like, if you would have told me that Mark Vital from Bowler is six foot five and Chris Smith is six foot nine, I would have probably said you're lying because there's Mark Vital is the tallest six foot five player I've ever seen in my life. There's no way he's six five, I feel like. But you know, whatever, I guess. But then you look at UCLA as a team, Jaime Hawkins is one of the least appreciated players in college basketball. He's very talented. He is shooting last year. He has a smooth jumper and only shot thirty one percent, so I was surprised to see that. I didn't know he shot thirty one percent from deep. Obviously made that game winner against Arizona State. But he's a very good defender. He's the perfect guy for Cronin. Tiger Campbell is interesting. He was kind of his stats are weird because he was inefficient like for most of the season. But when they started winning, he had games where he was really good. And he's a really good facilitator and can run some pick-and-roll offense and all that really well. He's not a very good defender, so we'll have to see what comes of that. But Johnny Juzang, he's your prototypical NBA 3 and D guy. I mean, he—and one thing people, I feel like, forget is that he was supposed to be in this class, in the 2020 class, and he reclassified to 2019 and was a five-star recruit and just didn't really get it going at Kentucky like many freshmen— Besides the top, you know, don't. I mean, you see a lot of guys leave Kentucky, Khalil Whitney being one of them. And then those were two guys who were five-star recruits that just never got it going. And then Jalen Hill is a really good player. I'm a big fan of him. Jake Collins the bench can knock down threes at any point. David Singleton went healthy. He's been pretty good. Cody Riley, he's okay. I think Jalen Hill's way better. But Cody yeah. Riley can play a couple minutes, 15 minutes off the bench and be okay, I guess. So and then Jalen Clark is the top 100 recruit and Jules Bernard. I don't know why he doesn't play more because he's six six, lefty, super strong, really good defender, and can shoot a little bit. I mean, I think he needs more minutes. So
0: yeah, and with Smith staying on him, I I think he's a perfect. He's just because if you don't have Chris Smith, you're playing Jalen Hill and Cody Riley, who are like Hill's definitely better, but they're kind of the same player. Uh they're neither are like elite shooters. They don't like step up the same way that uh, Smith does. Ne- neither are, you know, good shooters. So I think Chris Smith just being able to be that four man is perfect for the team. Uh you can play kind of four round one, have more you know, driving lanes to the basket for Chris Smith, for a Tiger Campbell. You jump out to Jai Juzang, uh you know Jake Heim and Jaime Hockes on the wing, and you're able to, you know, get some points just being able to drive and dish, which I think is a easy way to get points. So this this is gonna be a good UCLA team. Uh, they can reasonably, I think, they have a chance to win the Pac-12. I would still put Arizona State as my favorite, but certainly if you're gonna do a tiering system of the Pac-12. It's UCLA, Arizona State, and Oregon Tier 1. And I think all three of those teams are, without a doubt, top 25 teams preseason. Uh, We'll see kind of what they do, but UCLA is going to be fun next season. And Mick Cronin, uh, after, you know, kind of shaky start to UCLA, it looked like they were, you know, few games in. it was like, maybe we should not keep mick cronin as a coach mick cronin did a great job last year deserved pac 12 coach of the year and then this year he's set up to have a really good team at ucla
1: yeah definitely i think uh ucla is gonna be very good but back to the mark vital thing did you know he was six foot five
0: yes if only because it they whenever you watch baylor it's kind of like Friend Fraschilla points it out like every five minutes, but if you said how tall is this guy and just looked on the court, you'd probably say about six seven maybe.
1: I would say like, like six eight six nine. Like I think that's wrong. They need to remeasure him, and he he's not six five. There's just no way, and I refuse to believe that. But we can move on from that, I guess. Is I Michigan State next? Huh?
0: It could be the Zaire Smith story of uh tell the wrong height just to uh mess with people because Zaire Smith told everyone he's six five and then he, the draft combine he's six one so maybe maybe Mark is doing the opposite he's trying to say six five then people like look oh I'm only going up against this six foot five guy as a four man and then you look at Mark Vital and you're like oh this what this guy is not six five so maybe he is. Doing that
1: Yeah the Zaire Smith thing is in, uh, interesting I feel like most guys usually do that On their Tinder profiles So I guess that could be uh, something there But uh, breaking news In college basketball Michigan State has filled their final scholarship Did you see who they got?
0: Uh, oh Jack Hoiberg
1: Breaking news Jack Hoiberg He's obviously going to be an All-American He might win National Player of the Year It's incredible news right there.
0: Hey, he'll he'll start against Nebraska, and you know, realistically, this just being honest, he could play 40 minutes a game against Nebraska, and they would still win by 30.
1: Yeah. um, No, I was gonna say something
0: that
1: yeah, no, Uh, some people are higher on Nebraska than others. I'm not high on Nebraska, so yeah.
0: I I am. Nebraska and, like, Oregon State, I think, are two teams that I'm, like, this, they, I think Nebraska, Oregon State might put Georgetown in there. I think those are teams that are going to compete for fourth high major team this year.
1: I mean, yeah, Nebraska sucks. Like, I'm sorry, Nebraska fans, but they're terrible. I, I hate to be that guy, but... If I have to see Yvonne Ojorogo miss, like, 18 free throws in a game again, I'm never watching another Nebraska game because that Northwestern-Nebraska game was simply the worst college basketball game I've ever seen. Uh, Yvonne Ojorogo looks like he had never shot a free throw in his life. Hanif Cheatham is just a bad player, so he's gone. That's a good thing, I guess. Cam Mack looked like he didn't try a majority of the time. And then... Northwestern, I believe, ended up winning with a guy who was, like, national player of the year in lacrosse a year before. So, I mean, you know, Nebraska, congrats there. Um, I guess you guys are kind of better. You lose Cam Mack, who I still think is a good player but didn't seem to ever try. Anif Cheatham was pretty terrible. Odruoga, I guess, is okay. Uh, uh, Thorb Yarnison, I think is how you say it. He can shoot a little bit. But, um, yeah, Nebraska's not good. So,
0: we have uh, provided too much Nebraska content for uh, this upcoming season, and we'll we'll, do, we'll eventually get into conference previews. I think that we'll we'll just Let's copy paste that rant into yeah, Nebraska's Nebraska. gonna be last. Yeah, uh, Nebraska reigning worst Power Six team in the. Uh, sport last year they're the champions of being the worst uh but staying in michigan state xavier tillman has decided he is going to stay in the nba draft i think anyone really could have thought about thought this reasonably Uh, i know dickie v was tweeting that uh you know sources confirm sources confirm that uh xavier tillman's back but uh I don't think for a minute, most rational people even believe that Uh, I was kind of, I think just a rumor thrown out by people. I think some guy that is like a Michigan state fan, forget his name, but he like tweeted breaking news, Xavier Tillman is back. And then he, the following tweet was like in a thread this is not breaking news. This is just what I want to happen. And maybe that's what Dickie V saw and was like, Oh, sources confirmed to him. But Xavier Tillman off to the NBA. Uh, He's going to be a good player. Uh, He'll be kind of in that Tyrell Terry. mold. he'll get drafted because at this point there's no good players left to get drafted, but him. So he'll get drafted this upcoming season. He's, defensively really good he'll fit right in uh offensively his game needs work but defensively i kind of see him as like a less athletic brendan clark where he's like undersized but just able to block shots and match up you know against smaller guards uh which is something that's important i don't know exactly what his role is offensively but he'll be an nba player next season
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, congrats to over Tillman. Easy out a root four. Seems like a really good father of two children at a young age. That's always a tough thing. And Dick Vitale really played me. Like, I've never been played that hard in my life. Um, because I've been saying that he's gone for sure. Because he has two kids and he's married at like 21 years old. So I thought that for sure, right? And then Dick Vitale, who I assumed had sources, is like, Oh, he's coming back. He's coming back, baby. Oh, he's back. I probably saw nothing like him, but that—that was that my uh, Dick Vitale impersonation right there. I thought that uh, he actually did have sources, but I was lied to. So, you know, I—I I said the day before that he's gonna come back, but everybody makes mistakes, so that happens occasionally. Um, I blame Dick Vitale for that one though. But you know, Michigan State's gonna be good. Rocket Watts, I'm a big fan of. He's gonna be really good. Josh Langford. Uh, it sounds like he's back. I mean, there's no confirmation, I guess, but he's on campus playing basketball currently, so I would assume he's back. Then That's Aaron gets okay, healthy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's healthy, healthy. He can be great. Yeah, Aaron Henry's a really good player. You have uh, Malik Hall. At he's not going to start. Uh, Joey Hauser's going to start at the four. Malik Hall off the bench. Then at the five, do they start Matty Sissoko, who's a freshman. He's going to be a really good defender. Or do they start Marcus Bingham Jr.? I think they'll start Bingham because he's a really talented player. He just needs to bulk up a little bit. I think that's what it comes down to for him. But I think they're third in the Big Ten for me. and I feel pretty comfortable with that ranking, especially with Langford being back.
0: Yeah, I, I personally, I would start Malik Hall and uh Joey Hauser, although I don't think Tom Izzo will do the same thing, but I, I'd be interested to see that lineup because both of those players can kind of shoot. Joey Hauser can shoot, Malik Hall can shoot, so you got, like two stretch fours. Maybe yeah. that gives things back defensively, but I, I'd be interest I'd be interested to see kind of what their front court rotation is going to look like this year. Who gets the minutes, uh, and what eventually. Like I, I got a feeling that Tom Izzo is just gonna kind of th- sw- switch players early on in the season and kind of get this team see what you know combinations work and make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Although you know, 2018 he decided to play uh, Ben Carter over Josh or Jaron Jackson Jr. So may, maybe he'll make a little bit better decision. In this upcoming NCA tournament, but for Michigan State, they'll be definitely a good team. Uh, they'll be a team to watch. I think they'll probably you, you mentioned third. I think that's a good range. They finished ninth in the AP poll this season. I think they'll they might enter into the season being the preseason number nine team. Uh, they're kind of in that range. Kind of that I think there's a top tier. In college basketball, Baylor, Villanova, Gonzaga, there's kind of a secondary tier, and I think Michigan State's definitely in that third tier of college basketball teams.
1: Yeah, and one thing to think about, do they start Jack Lohberg? I mean, 5'11", 175, that's my kind of guy right there. Maybe he starts, you know?
0: He'll start against Nebraska, I'll say that. And Maybe
1: he'll drop 20 a game, he'd be Nebraska's best player.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't see anything wrong with that statement, but yeah. J- Jack Hoyberg could legitimately start on Nebraska. Let's He he he's got a scholarship at Michigan State. If you can get a scholarship at Michigan State, you can be the 20 per, point per game scorer at Nebraska.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, as long as he can make free throws, if he shoots like 45% from the line, he'll fit right in at Nebraska. I mean, they're not going to miss a beat. I mean, he should just transfer. His dad will probably give him a scholarship. But one thing to consider here, uh, how do you think Steven Ezzo feels that his dad didn't give him a scholarship?
0: His dad is getting the scholarship, or his dad's paying (laughs) the scholarship. So I think Steven Ezzo is fine, personally, myself. But... Maybe we'll have to ask him.
1: Yeah, I mean he's a fan favorite. Every time he gets on the court, they they just cheer for him to shoot. And I don't think he made a shot. So maybe next season.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe next season. Aaron Henry though he's back. Uh, Henry, he, he's an interesting player. He's a you know he projects as a perfect NBA wing. He just needs to kind of improve as a shooter. I think defensively he's. You know, good. If he can become like a forty percent three point shooter, I'm really intrigued with Aaron Henry going into next season. Uh, Steven Izzo did not score a point the entire season. Uh, Doing uh, the quick fact fact check. So, uh, did he shoot? Did he shot. He he did he did average point three rebounds per game. So, Andrew, how tall is he? He's 5'8".
1: Oh my god, that's yeah, my kind of guy right there.
0: One assist uh and three rebounds for the season. So impressive. I'm a fan. But go going back to Aaron Henry, I think if he can be a 40% three-point shooter next season, uh which is, is a major happen. If he can be like 30 like Jared Butler, I think shot like 38% 38 percent of season yeah 38 percent if he can shoot that just that's going to be so important to him because his role in the nba i think projects as a three and d wing shot 34.4 percent if he can just work on shooting be a little bit better as a free throw shooter he's going to be an nba player and for michigan state obviously rocket watch josh langford i think might be the top two option but aaron Henry's at least can be the third option, could be the second option, could be mm-hmm. the first option uh for this team, and we'll see if he can kind of develop as a player.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I read I read this somewhere. Maybe Matt Norlander said somebody said it that one thing NBA Scouts didn't love about Henry is his attitude. So I don't really know where that came from, but I did hear that, so I read that somewhere. I don't maybe it wasn't Matt Norlander, it was somebody like that though, said that he had some attitude issues to NBA teams, so yeah, that was part and of his problem.
0: As is, I didn't really think not, you know, not personally speaking with him. I'm sure he's a great kid, but uh, yeah, just looking at his game, I just don't see him as an NBA player.
1: I think at he's least, an NBA player. I think player he's at some a point. future.
0: Yeah, I think he's a future. I don't think he's an NBA player next year, which is an issue. Whereas like Xavier Tillman, I, I think Aaron Henry could have a better NBA career than Xavier Tillman, but Xavier Tillman's a definite NBA player right now and very useful uh, to an NBA team next year. Whereas Henry Aaron Henry, I think if he went into the draft kind of going back to the G league thing, he wouldn't play next season because he's not an NBA player. Mm-hmm. He's go, he, if he would have left. He would, be going straight to the g league he'll get to play at michigan state this season he'll get to develop and maybe he can turn himself into a first round pick i think that's unlikely to go from like an undrafted player to a first round pick but we've seen other players do it and maybe he can do it
1: yeah and back to the uh attitude thing with him i don't really know where that came from because he always seems to be a guy that plays hard. And, like, maybe they're talking about the Bradley incident in the NCAA tournament where him and Izzo argued a little bit. But I think that's what Izzo likes out of his players. I think that just shows that he plays hard, not really an attitude thing. So I don't really think that is whatever scout or whatever said that. I don't really necessarily think that's accurate because he seems like a really good uh, person and a really good hard player. So, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever on that.
0: Yeah. Moving on, going to the ACC. Uh, the ACC favorites for next season will be the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, the ACC does award regular season champions, uh, unlike some popular belief. And Virginia almost certainly will win the ACC next season. Jay Huff is back. Uh, they do lose Mamadidi Diakite and Personally, I I do think any rankings that have like Virginia ahead of you know Baylor or Villanova or Gonzaga wow. I think those those rankings are wrong. But Virginia's I think the clear best team in the ACC, and it, it, large reason for that is obviously J Huff returning.
1: Yeah. No. I definitely agree with that, and I tweeted this yesterday. If you don't have Gonzaga ranked number one, I'm sorry, but you're incorrect, and I stand by that, and then I had a Virginia fan, not going to say names here, but he said, uh, hold on, let me find the exact tweet here, because he seemed like he wasn't very happy with my tweet. Because oh he said reigning national champions or something like that Virginia and tweeted at their uh, men's basketball account and then I said yeah they're a top seven 17 I don't think anybody will have them ranked one though and then he said they never end where they finish or they're never ranked where they finish so I mean I don't really know well, what they added to my tweet so
0: well they they started last season I think number nine in the AP poll and they finished they finished 16th. Yeah. So like he was right, I
1: guess, It's in the other yeah. direction.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they, they, they finished worse, but in the net, which I looked at all the time, uh, because do bracketology, but they finished 44th in the net, which I think is a more accurate representation. Uh, i I think they were outside of top 40 in Ken Palm as well. Uh, if yeah, they definitely
1: like, they sucked offensively.
0: Yeah, defensively they're always going to be good. Offensively, we'll see if they can take a step forward this season. Uh, if like a Casey, more okay. so yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and like I think they'll, I think they're in that next tier of teams. Uh, behind a Baylor, behind a Villanova, behind a Gonzaga. But I like going to the number one debate. I think there's two teams that have a case. I think Gonzaga by default is the team that I think is number one. I think most people would probably have Gonzaga number one. I think Baylor can be number one. It'll depend on if Tristan Clark is healthy. Uh, If Tristan Clark is healthy, I think Baylor at that point might be better than Gonzaga, at least just me personally. But Baylor's a team you can potentially have number one. Villanova, I think is, their floor is just going to be really good. I don't think they're a number one team, but they'll, be once again, pretty good. But mm-hmm. I think if you have anyone outside of those three teams as your number one team, you're you're doing it wrong. Just me personally at looking right. at the rosters. I don't think if you're going to have a team outside of that, I don't think it's Virginia. That's that team either.
1: It would be Illinois, I think. I I have Illinois third, I have Illinois fourth. Like that's a that's a tough one for me because how I do my rankings, I'm not basing it off what the preseason rankings will be because those are never what they are at the end of the season. But I wanna base it more so off of what I think it'll look like at the end of the season and how right I can be, like, looking back from my preseason rankings to the end of the season rankings. And that's why I have a team like Richmond tenth. Like will they be ranked top 25 preseason probably not honestly i don't know but like i think that in my i think they're the 10th best team in college basketball i think that's a fair assessment of that team right now but speaking on jay huff i think he's gonna one acc player of the year i think he's the best player on the best team in that conference he's a good defender he's a very talented scorer he can shoot 34 percent from deep you know he was given a solid role for the first time last season. His first two seasons that he didn't register, he didn't play a ton. And he got to learn from a lot of talented players who are now in the NBA. And I think, you know, he could average 15, 10, and 5, the 5 being 5 blocks a game possibly, because he blocks everything in sight. I think he's going to have a great season.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Health is going to take a big step forward. I think offensively, you can kind of look for him to... Probably play that you know stretch five man role. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily like a go to for you know 15 20 points a night type guy. I think he's more kind of a role player on offense, but he might have to be the superstar because there's not like Sam Hauser. I think is going to be good. Kia Clark's good, but I think Huff's definitely the main option for this team. But defensively. Well, Defensively, he's so good at blocking shots, uh, anticipating shots, getting to the rim, and you know, you know, s- stopping inside players. He's going to be so good just as a two-way player that it's going to be you know fun to watch. I think he's the favorite for ACC Player of the Year going into next season, and part of that reason is because the a- ACC, while I think it's in for a rebounding year has a lot of question marks. You know, Duke is really young. They don't have that superstar Zion Williamson-level recruit. Louisville is a team I'm excited on next season. I think Davis Johnson is going to take a huge step forward. Uh, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, I think, is the tournament team. The ACC's you know, top to bottom is going to be really deep. Even I think Wake Forest is probably the clear worst team, but, like, Boston College is... Going to be, I think, interesting going into next season. I don't think Boston College makes the NCAA tournament, but they'll be interesting. Uh, Virginia Tech, I don't think, I think, is in a similar situation. There's just a lot of good teams in the ACC, but it's not a league with a ton of superstars. And Jay Huff might be the biggest star in that league.
1: Definitely, I've seen a lot of people have Garrison Brooks as the uh, ACC preseason Player of the Year. I disagree with that because I think Huff is just better. And Roy Williams also said we might use Brooks at the three, and that's the worst idea I've ever heard. I mean, that's just a terrible idea. I would never do that. And back on your Wake Forest one, you really think Wake Forest is the worst team in the conference?
0: I I think next year, yes. That's
1: Notre Dame. Yeah,
0: uh, it's I I don't know. I I think the rosters favor Notre Dame. Princess Hub is still there. I'm not like. Notre mean, Dame, Dame, like. Yeah, Wake, Forest. it's tough. I I still think Notre Dame has like a little bit more talent. Like if you told me for the following season, Wake Forest or Notre Dame, I might go Wake Forest. I I think Steve Forbes at this point is i think steve forbes is going to rebuild wake forest very quickly uh oh yeah. it's becoming a you know may it, it'll hard to be, be hard to be like an ncaa tournament caliber team in the next two seasons but like year three year four i think the wake forest can be easily contending for the ncaa tournament and by by the end of year four four years from now we're going to look and wake forest is going to be coming off an ncaa tournament bid
1: yeah, and I also might even have Wake Forest just looking at it over Miami too and maybe Virginia Tech. Uh, I know the Miami one's probably an unpopular opinion, but I could see that being a thing.
0: Yeah, it, potentially. I, I still think Wake Forest, just look at their roster on paper, it's pretty, uh, the coverage's pretty bare, but I I don't doubt that Steve Ford, like at this point, I think Steve Forbes might be a better coach than Mike Bray. He's certainly, I think gonna bring in more talented players than Mike Bray will bring in. in the next mm-hmm. few years, uh, he's yeah. better than Jim Laranega. I think he he's Mike Young is better offensive, you know, schemer, but I, I think Forbes as a coach is going to be able to make them better. Uh, I, I'd say a good comparison for Forbes. I think as a, coach might be Kevin Keats I think they're kind of similar level coach
1: yeah the my issue with Mike Bray is less of what he does on the court and more of how he evaluates transfers because I was listening to John Rostein's uh, podcast because I wanted to hear what Mike Bray had to say because I think he's a smart dude he's a good coach. But he said that he's never gotten an immediately eligible transfer and doesn't plan on doing so anytime soon. If a guy wants to apply for a waiver, he doesn't want them. That just seems ridiculous to me. He said he when he was speaking to Trey Wirtz, who ended up committing there, he said, do you want to sit out a year from Santa Clara? Do you want to sit out a year or do you plan on applying for a waiver? Because if you apply for a waiver, we don't want to have you here. That like I just don't understand that thought process at all. I just think that's way, behind, like he needs to get with the times because you know soon enough we're gonna have immediately eligible one-time transfers anyways. Or is he just not gonna take transfers because they can play right away? Like that, I just feel like his he's gonna be out of a job soon if that's the way he wants to roll.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he'll be out of a job anytime soon. Just I think he's built up enough equity uh, maybe maybe he'll retire though could be that being the case because yeah.
1: i mean when's the it, last time they made the tournament 16 2017 lost to west virginia
0: yeah and then they they uh were NIT
1: they, championship they, they, they
0: were uh they they would have made it but for davidson which was by far the worst decision Thank goodness that Davidson ended up being Rhode Island because that Notre Dame team did not deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh,
1: Bonzi like, broke his foot, right?
0: Yeah.
1: That- yeah. Yeah, I just – uh I don't know. I don't like Notre Dame this year, so I guess we'll see.
0: Just taking out all the Bonzi-Colson games, that team still – was not an NCAA tournament team. They beat Wichita State, but they had a couple, like, by-game losses. That shouldn't have even Mm -hmm. been remotely close to being a NCAA tournament team. Just going on that tangent.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) But moving forward, we got some more draft decisions. Mamu is back. Seton Hall is back. Uh, Kevin Willard's going to make the NCAA tournament once again. uh, We're retroactively putting them in there this season uh which i think the ncaa this is a thing i think the ncaa needs to do they need to retroactively put ncaa tournament appearances on the teams who would have made it for this year so it should be a six six straight ncaa tournament appearance for seton hall and they'll still this season
1: yeah, I like this team a lot. I mean, I feel like they're really underrated. I mean, Mamu, well, he's not an elite defender. I mean, he's a solid enough defender. And I feel like a lot of people, like, talking about how Mark Vidal doesn't look 6'5", I feel like a lot of people don't realize that uh, Mamu Kelishvili is 6'11". Like, he's a 6'11 lefty who can shoot uh, really well. He broke his wrist against Iowa State last season. That was a really... Gruesome injury that I did not enjoy seeing at all. But when he came back, he was really good. I mean, he was very, very good. And then obviously, we lose Miles Powell. Did they replace Miles Powell with the most Miles Powell looking guy? Like the style of they play in college basketball with Bryce Aiken. I mean, they literally are like identical the way they play. Bryce Aiken, you know, he's a really good shooter, he's a score first point guard. Exactly, kind of. I mean, Powell is taller than Aiken, but they just play really similar. Then you have Jared Roden, who can really play two through four, but he'll play the four for this team. And he's a great defender, good rebounder. He can score. Then you have to call Molson, who from Canisius, he shot like 36% from three his freshman season. That went down to 26 his sophomore season before he transferred. I'm not really sure what happened there. But I could see him averaging 10 a game for this team. Then Miles Kale who took a big step back. I'm not really sure what happened there either. I mean, he just he's a good defender too. He just was not good offensively last season. That was, he was a really good shooter his a uh, sophomore season, but his junior season he's just bad. I don't really I think he's a good player and I think he'll turn around. Maybe he was hurt and just playing through it. That's a thing. Maybe Ike Obiagu off the bench. I think he'll be 7 foot 2. Again, can't really teach size. And, you know, uh, Tyree Samuel, he could be a breakout candidate. Shavar Reynolds, former walk-on, he can shoot the ball pretty well. So I think that this team, you know, just thinking about where I have them in the Big East, I have Villanova ahead of them, I have Creighton ahead of them, I have UConn ahead of them, and then I think I have them fourth. It's between them and Marquette, so they're four or five.
0: I, I, I have them kind of in that UConn tier three and four in the Big East, I Aiken to Cole Molson, I think those two p- play, players will be important for Seton Hall going into next season. I think they'll be able to pretty easily fill in. Obviously they won't be Miles Powell, but they'll be able to fill in. Uh Sandro, I think, can take a big step forward. Jared Roden, I think, can going to play the four for this team. One thing you mentioned Miles Kale, I think with Kale, he kind of realized that Jared Roden ended up being a little bit better of a player and more useful to the team. And that, I think that kind of mentally, I remember uh, I think they played Providence that Kale got benched because he wasn't like yeah. working. Maybe it mm-hmm. could just be that he was starting to realize Jared Roden was a better player than him. We'll see what Miles Kale can kind of do this season, but line up with Bryce Aiken to Molson uh Jared Roden, Tyree Samuel, uh and Sandro at Mamokelisvili at the 5. I think that's a really really good starting 5. Uh, they've got the bench pieces Miles Kale, Tyree Samuel, Shavar Reynolds, uh Ike, Ike Obiagu, who I think could potentially start, but I personally would start Sandro at the 5 just because of his that's a five-out lineup, which I think is going to be...
1: Yeah.
0: Kind of I would start right at five.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I I think you can start both Obiagu or Mamu at the five, but I think their best offensive lineup will have Mamu at the five because you put Mamu at the five, you have five shooters, five people that can just go out and knock down shots at an elite level uh, because pretty much anyone but Obiagu on the team can shoot... Uh, so I, I want to see them play a five-out style. Uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see what Kevin Willard does. But Seton Hall this year is going to be an NCAA tournament team. Once again, it'll be the sixth straight season. They made the tournament. Uh, and credit to Kevin Willard for getting Seton Hall, not only you know being a good team, but consistently good.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he's done an incredible job at Seton Hall. Big props there. I like this team a lot. I, uh, you know, obviously losing Miles Powell, Quincy McKnight, Roe Gill, that's tough. But I think Kevin Willard will turn it around.
0: Yeah, definitely. Going to the SEC now, uh, starting with Tennessee, who is my current uh, favorite to win the league. Uh, obviously, we don't know. Does, if
1: her- does that change or start us or whatever? What? Do you have Kentucky number one in the SEC if Saar gets a waiver?
0: Maybe. Right now, I'm going to leave it as SAR doesn't have a waiver, but we'll see if he does. Obviously, I think it gets reconsidered, but right now, I think Tennessee's the clear number one team in the SEC if SAR doesn't get a waiver.
1: Mhm.
0: At least my thinking. But for Pons to come back, he's he's not really a score, but he does so many things defensively. He's kind of that Mark Vital, a little bit less bulky, but a little bit more athletic rule where he's six he's six six. He can switch basically one through five. He's quick, he's very athletic. Uh I remember they played Kansas earlier this year, and they had him going against uh at on some possessions he was guarding devon dotson and some possessions he was guarding you Azabuke those are two very different players and he was able to yeah. guard both of them uh which i think speaks to how good defensively he is uh this team they returned santiago viscovi uh josiah james both those players are good guards uh They bring in a good recruiting class. Keon Johnson, uh, Jane Springer, they're going to both be good. John Fulkerson is solid down low. I really like this Tennessee team. I think they're the team to beat in the SEC going into next season.
1: Yeah, I agree, kind of. I think I still have Kentucky one. I'm assuming Sarr does get a waiver, and that's how I'm going to rank it, but they're really close for me. You know, Viscovi, he he did really good for what his circumstances were. I mean, he played 18 games, and he came in when Lamonte Turner got hurt. And, you know, he wasn't eligible for the first uh, half of the season. I think it's because he applied uh, late and didn't have his academic stuff ready or something like that. So he kind of like Nefaro Dante situation from Oregon. So he ended up playing 18 games, but he's a really good shooter and started right away. And then Josiah Jordan James at the two. I think he's a very talented do it all guy. He was a top 20 recruit, I think, a year ago. Jordan Springer at the three, Eve Pons at the four. I'm a very big fan of his defense. He's such a good athlete. And he can even knock down threes. He can, you're right, he can defend one through five. You could try to find, uh, if you were trying to find two different players like in playstyle, you won't find ones more than Devon Dotson and Yudoka Azubuki, and that just speaks to how good of a defender Eve Pons is. Then at the five, we have John Fulkerson, and that's a really, really good starting five. I like a lot of that. Then off the bench, Victor Bailey Jr. is a guy who transferred from Oregon last season, sat out. He can play a big role. And then a guy that, you know, Tennessee seems to like with Uros Plastic from Arizona State, he was a transfer. He... Redshirted his true freshman season at Arizona State, then transferred to Tennessee, and was denied a waiver two different times, I believe. And then in January, he received a waiver and wasn't very good, but he's a talented scorer. He's just really, really slow defensively. So I guess, like, we'll see what kind of role he can play, but it seems like Rick Barnes likes him a lot. So
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll We'll see with that. But for Tennessee this upcoming season... I, I, they kind of have that roster build, and I, I'm thinking of a team from the SEC that I really like their roster build this season ago that kind of has a similar build, w- which was Florida. But I, mm-hmm. I think Florida, obviously, massively disappointed. I don't think Rick Tennessee's Barnes good. Is yeah, Rick Barnes is better coach. I think he knows how to use his players a little bit better. Uh, And he Mm -hmm. he, there's also more experience, whereas like Kerry Blackshear was coming in over from Florida, uh, which he's not supposed to be the senior leader. Nembhard was kind of disappointing. I think with Tennessee, most of the people players know kind of their roles in the offense. Mm -hmm. And then you add two five star freshmen who one will start, one will be the sixth man or maybe they move Josiah James to the bench or something like that. But I think both Johnson and Springer. Springer I think is a better shooter of the two. Uh just watching some YouTube highlights at least. But I think both those players will step in. They'll be important for pieces for the volunteers. And I think Tennessee right now is my favorite to win the SEC. If Sar gets a waiver, I'll reconsider it. I might still have Tennessee as my favorite. I might move Kentucky as my favorite but right now just today Saur doesn't get a waiver SAR doesn't have a waiver yet uh Tennessee's my team to beat in the league
1: yeah I could see that I just like the SEC a lot just in general this season obviously we'll get into LSU here in a second but Arkansas is good I guess we'll get into them soon too Alabama right, I guess I'll just wait until we get into it because they have a lot of decisions that were made. So before I speak on those other decisions, I guess we'll get into those soon.
0: Isaiah Joe for Arkansas. We'll we start with him. Yeah. Because he's probably the best player of the decisions. He averaged 16, 17 points per game a season ago. He's an elite shooter. Uh, struggled a bit shooting last year, was hurt part of the season, but he's coming back for this Arkansas team. And I think he fits in really well. They have a good, Ross rotation. Uh, I think it's a nine or 10 man rotation. Uh, I forgot when I was doing the story. I didn't include Desi Sills Got to include Desi Sills. He's could be there as well, uh, in their rotation, but, uh, Joe's an elite shooter. I, I still want to see him be kind of that primary scorer. I think last year he kind of deferred towards Mason Jones, but I think if he can kind of become the primary score for the team, uh, He's going to be really good going into next season. I think Arkansas is a team that can maybe surprise, like a couple of years ago, Tennessee, no one even knew who Tennessee was or something like that. And they won the SEC. Maybe Arkansas becomes that type of team.
1: Yeah, I can see it. I mean, Isaiah Joe, he's not a very good defender, but he's a really talented offensive player. He's even a good passer, even though he didn't show it a ton. He can be a true one guard, in my opinion, and he will have the ball in his hands a lot. They're not playing like they did Mason Jones last year now that Mason Jones is gone. Obviously, Desi Sills, uh, KK Robinson, Moses Moody. Um, they get transfers with Vance Jackson, Jalen Tate from Northern Kentucky, and Justin Smith. Hopefully they can use Smith right, and then Connor Vanover. I think he's seven-two. He's a transfer from Cal who sat last season. He's a very uh, big player. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing a name here, somewhere in there. But they're going to be a really good team regardless. I think they can be fourth or fifth in the SEC, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Eric Musselman uh, will probably add try to add five more transfers before it ends, so this roster could look a lot different, I guess because they, I'm pretty sure they're full in scholarships, but every single time a transfer enters a portal, he calls them instantly. So I guess we'll see what happens there.
0: Maybe he's looking to, he, he's going to do the first couple weeks of practice and then uh, say, like, well, ex-player, uh, you, you're not good enough, you're out, uh, bring in this new guy. And then he signs off on a waiver for the player who runs off to get a waiver so it works out in the end for everyone but yeah but arkansas i think they're fourth fourth or fifth maybe in the sec rankings i would probably put them fourth Uh, i'd put kentucky i'd put lsu i'd put Tennessee ahead of them but Mm -hmm. i think they're fourth but they they have real like i'm not kidding why i say this like i can i think there's a very real chance they win the sec next year uh and obviously i think it Part of that is because I don't think Kentucky's ceiling is as high as it is. We don't know what the NCAA is going to do with a SAR waiver. Maybe he gets it, maybe he doesn't. Uh, Tennessee, I mean, I really like the Tennessee team on paper, but I really like Florida's team on paper last year, and they didn't win the SEC or even come close. And LSU uh, is a team that isn't necessarily – going to stand out so i could see it's a situation where arkansas wins the league
1: yeah i could see that too they have a lot of depth they have a star in isaiah joe who can be an all-american i 100 agree
0: moving on to lsu uh they're returning basically everyone trendon wofford uh emmett williams darius days javante for- smart all left. emmett williams left
1: yeah, he uh, signed with the NBA certified agent like a month ago.
0: Oh, I thought he was. Never mind then. So they don't. Yeah, Emmett. Williams, yeah. Williams. Uh. Well, I just figured found that out. So.
1: He was supposed to play in the TBT too. He was on Eberline Drive, but they had a positive test,
0: so they uh, left. Okay. Well, I did not realize this. I, I think I came across the news, but LSU their ceilings a little bit lower now without Emmett Williams, who's who was basically the uh, SEC collegiate version of Dennis Rodman, uh, just <laughs> rebounding. So they lose Emmett Williams, they lose Skylar Mays, uh, but Watford I think can take a step forward. He's able to shoot. Darius Days is able to shoot as a four man so i guess that's the front court they're solid javante smart i think can step in be a solid player charles manning uh as well uh can be a solid player i i think lsu is going to be solid once again uh now without emmett williams i might put arkansas ahead of them but lsu i think is going to be uh good
1: you actually just found out right now that emmett williams left you know that
0: Just found that
1: out. See, guys, breaking news on the podcast. Emmett Williams is gone. You heard it here first. But just speaking about LSU, Javante Smart obviously coming back. That's very big news there. He's a great player. And he might wear him and Lester Quinones, I feel like, have a contest where I don't know if they even know each other or have met. But they have the two shortest shorts for players I've ever seen in my life. This is like a, it's, I guess it's a trend coming back, so I guess we'll see there. But uh, Trendon Watford, you know, he's a five-star recruit. He shot 48% last year from the field but struggled shooting only 26%. But they get Cam Thomas, who played at Oak Hill, alongside Cole Anthony and Kofi Coburn a couple seasons ago. So that's a big get there, obviously. And then they have a lot of decisions in the NCAA's hands with waivers. Uh, Will Wade said yesterday that Brian Penn Johnson from Washington will apply for a waiver. I think he played like a combined 11 games for the Huskies the last two seasons, so I think he should get a waiver. Then you have uh, Sharif O'Neal, the son of Shaquille O'Neal, who will be applying for a waiver, I believe, and he should get it because... He sat out his true freshman season because he had a life-threatening heart issue that if they didn't find it, he could have been in trouble. He needed open-heart surgery, so he shouldn't really be penalized for having a heart problem. Then yeah, Josh LeBlanc.
0: I, it, as is, Sharif O'Neal will be playing in the second semester because he was yeah. a mid-year yeah. transfer.
1: Same deal with Josh LeBlanc. If he can't get a waiver, he'll be eligible midseason but he's from baton rouge i feel like he should get a waiver there and then you have Wani wilkinson he's a wing guy eric gaines jalen cook josh gray all recruits which makes lsu have a pretty good recruiting class They're Sixth overall recruiting wise you know last season it was an interesting season for the tigers i don't exactly know where they would have been in the tournament and where would where would you have had them where'd you have them
0: uh, I think they were like an eight or nine seed Something yeah, like in there they,
1: they lost to Vanderbilt, so like it was a weird season for them so like i do do I think they're gonna have a really good season i do i think they'll be better this year than they were last year. I just think they had a weird season last year. I think yeah. they could be you know uh i I don't think I'll have them ranked top twenty five maybe I, like once i get i'm only like ten teams into my rankings. So once I get out of like the top fifteen, there's a bunch of teams jumbled up together that I'll have to dissect who goes where. But they'll be anywhere from like twenty-two to thirty-two. So.
0: Yeah, I I kind of see that same rate range. I I'd maybe go twenty-two to forty-two. Just I think yeah, there's a little bit more high volatility, but certainly LSU is going to be once again I think an NCAA tournament team. Uh, Will Wade appears to be, you know, his his job status is strong uh, right now, I guess. So he'll be keeping his job since uh, the NCAA and has decided not to push anything on Will Wade, and he'll be yeah. back.
1: Yeah, I think he has a pretty strong chance of uh, keeping his job for now, and I think LSU will have a strong season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, some might add some offers on that, but we're yeah. going to Just offer to ourselves some thoughts guess. on John Petty. Uh, yeah. So John Petty, the shooter, he's back for Alabama. This is a team that real was kind of in the mix for an NCAA tournament bid for a while, kind of faded a little bit down the stretch, uh, but the, they return a lot of pieces. They return Herb Jones, who's an elite defender. They return... Sean Petty, they return Jaden Shackelford. Uh, there's a certain segment of people that believe Javon Quinterly is better than LeBron James. Those people are crazy, but uh, those Quinterly's people named Javon.
1: Quinterly. I
0: I don't think it's just Javon Quinterly. Like I I think there's a legitimate large a few people, like maybe ten or fifteen, but they're they're very vocal that think Javon Quinterly is like the next coming of LeBron James, which if you watched him at Villanova, when he was on the court, he was anything. He wasn't good. Yeah, yeah, he was not good. Maybe he'll get better. You know, he. he I think he's going to be a little bit more freed up. Uh, with Villanova, he was kind of in somewhat of a role where he was – Try and be the point guard, but Colin Gillespie was at the point better, uh, and still probably is better to this day. But we'll we'll see if he can kind of develop if he he finds a role. But this team, Shackleford, Petty, those two players can score in an elite level. Quinterly, I think, can find them on some passes and get them open shots and get them going. Alex Reese is solid. Uh, Jordan Bruner from Yale is solid. Herb Jones is a, just an elite defender, elite glue guy, uh, really can guard one through five and realistically mm-hmm. not give up it, anything. So I, I really like this Alabama team going into next season. I think they'll be an NCAA tournament team. They wouldn't have been one this year, but they will be one next year.
1: Yeah, they they're another team that had a weird season last year. They lost, I can't off the top of my head name the puzzling games they lost, but I know they lost. I think they lost to Ole Miss. A couple, maybe they lost to Ole Miss twice. I don't exactly remember. But, like, they, they
0: pen. They lost to North Carolina. That was probably when North Carolina wasn't terrible. They lost to Penn? They lost to Penn. First game of the season. Actually, I remember this. I don't remember that at all. They lost to Penn? They, I think it. Looking back at that game, I think they had like a four-point lead with like thirty seconds to go, and they lost eighty-one to eighty. First game of the season. How I many think. points
1: did Adrian Broder have for Penn? Uh,
0: nineteen and ten.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes Kira, sense.
0: Here, Lewis had
1: thirty. uh Thirty. Yeah. God. Kira, All right.
0: Well. Oh. They didn't blow the game as I thought. That might have been a different game. Uh, Kira Lewis hits a three with 17 seconds, and then Jordan Dingle hits a game-winning layup. That's that's how the game I happened.
1: lost. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. I don't remember that at all. Like, I remember Dartmouth beating Buffalo, but I don't remember... Ten beating Alabama, right? Well, I guess I just didn't pay enough attention there. But, yeah. like, they beat Auburn when they were undefeated. And then, you know, this they, season... They didn't
0: beat them. They just ran them out of the gym. Oh, yeah. yeah. It
1: was over from, like, five minutes into the game. It just was never close.
0: Brandt, that and that Auburn uh, team should not have been number four. That Auburn team was... I still, to this day, conference, maybe, so, that yeah. Auburn team would have lost as, to, like, a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, I was not super high on that Auburn team, but this season, Javon Quinterly, like I think he's a good player. I think it was a humbling experience for him. I'm not saying like he's a bad person or anything. He seems like a great kid. It's just when you're that popular out of high school, not like because you can put up cool layups and have highlights and everybody knows you, even if they don't watch college basketball or basketball outside of the nba but like him and isaiah washington with the jelly fan thing when you're that popular at a young age from like 16 to going to villanova you know there's just a lot of maturity that has to happen between there and you know maybe that was an issue for quinterly and that's why he transferred from villanova sat last season kind of out of the public light for a season now he's going to be back in the public he's going to play you know, I think you will have a good season. Then you have Jaden Shackleford at the two, John Petty at the three, who shot 44% from deep last season. If you could pick a player that fits what NATO likes to do, like ever, and imagine a player, it's John Petty. Then at the four, you have Herb Jones, who can guard one through five. He's even a solid offensive player. He can score inside. He just can't shoot at all. And Jordan yeah. Bruner at the five. And then on the bench, you know, you have Josh Primo, who's a really talented combo guard. Keon Ellis, who's kind of the same thing, except he's a Juco guy. Alex Reese, who's been a good shooter for a while there in Alabama. You know, this is a good team. I like it a lot. I I could see them winning the SEC. Like you say that for Arkansas, I could see that for Alabama too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Moving on, a uh, couple more topics, uh, A.J. Green is coming back to the Missouri Valley. He's coming back for uh, his, looks like it's his junior season. I thought it was originally his senior season, but it's, it's his junior yeah. season. Yeah, uh, he averaged 19 points per game. Uh, he's a really good shooter. He kind of does it all for Northern Iowa. He's back for another season. Uh, this team that returns a lot of pieces, I think they're probably they're definitely the team to beat in the Missouri Valley, and I think they can be a legitimate, at-large caliber team.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that the Bengals are in for a great season. Just kidding. I, I had to put an A.J. Green joke in there because – the Bengals receiver probably wasn't funny at all, and I'm sorry. But Northern Iowa this season will have a good season. I mean, I'm a big Northern Iowa guy. I know a lot of people like Loyola Chicago this season. I was big on Northern Iowa last season. Obviously, I wasn't writing it. But I wrote something on Northern Iowa a couple months back, and I like this team a lot. I mean, you have A.J. Green, who's not a very good defender, but he was a top 100 recruit out of high school. which shows Northern Iowa. He's an elite shooter. Shooter. they almost beat West Virginia and they should have beat West Virginia but a ridiculous flagrant foul I think it was Austin Fife who uh, Emmett, Emmett Matthews was going up for a rebound and then uh, like went over Fife and fell and Fife might have given him an elbow but it wasn't on purpose and they gave Fife a flagrant foul and then West Virginia goes on to win kind of ridiculous I wasn't very thrilled with what happened there but you return Trey Burha, who's one of the best shooters in college basketball. You have Austin Fife, who struggles defensively, but he's 6'10", he's a lefty, and shot like 64% from the field. You know that's very good. And Noah Carter, and I've said this time and time again, he's the biggest X factor for for this team. He's going to start at the four, and you know he's 6'6", he's like 230, I think, and he can shoot. It's just what can he provide? Can he provide enough? in his 20-plus minutes to be a winning piece for Iowa. That's He's their biggest question mark right now, and I want to see how he can do. I want to see them add a transfer to grad transfer who can play the four or five off the bench. So we'll see what happens there. But even if they don't, I still think they're a top 40 team in college basketball, and I think they'll win the Missouri Valley Conference, and they could be an at-large team.
0: Definitely. Uh, And then the last topic, Xavier has added Ben Stanley, uh, your favorite player from Hampton, uh, as well as Adam Kunkel. Uh, Some thoughts on, I think both players end up uh, seeing, Xavier fans are saying Kunkel's going to sit out, so I guess he'll sit out for this season. Stanley's probably going to sit out as well. He might apply for a waiver. Uh,
1: He's applying for a waiver. I don't think he'll get it.
0: Yeah, the Savior team this upcoming season is not going to be very good, I don't think. But for the following season, I really like this team. Kiki Tandy, I think, is going to be able to step up. He's going to be really asked to be kind of their primary scorer. Ben Stanley, Adam Kunkel are going to be, when they become eligible, are going to be really good pieces. I really like the Savior team in a year. Uh, This year, they're probably... Mm -hmm. They're for one gonna miss the NCAA tournament, but I think as well they're m- might be one of the lower tier teams in the Big East, uh, not quite to Paul or Georgetown level, but I think they'll miss the NCAA tournament this year. But going into next season with Kunkel being able to shoot, be that perfect wing guy, uh, and then Ben Stanley as well, I really like Xavier in two years. Yeah,
1: I agree for sure. I feel like we're a little in different directions about what we see with Xavier this season. I don't think they're a tournament team, but I also, just thinking about it, you know, they're better than De- than DePaul, probably. They're better than Georgetown by a lot. They're better than St. John's. I would, are they better than Providence? Like, maybe?
0: Uh, I, I don't think so
1: i could see i can make an art i could see an argument for it. i don't know if i agree with it but you know kiki tandy dwan odom paul scruggs is a great wing guy and has been there for a while zach Fremantle is i like zach Fremantle a lot i guess he's a xavier fan favorite i didn't know that but xavier fans every time i talk about zach Fremantle like freak out So maybe i got to talk about Zach Fremantle more. Jason Carter, he's okay, I guess. He's going to be gone after the season anyways. Then you had Nate Johnson for this year. He was a grad transfer from Gardner-Webb. I could see them winning 18 games or whatever again. Obviously losing Najee Marshall and Tyreek Jones hurts a lot. Quentin Gooding was kind of bad this season, so whatever, I guess, on that. But going into next season, they'll lose Scruggs. They'll lose Johnson. They'll lose Carter. But they'll have Dwan Odom still more than likely, assuming he doesn't go to the NBA. Kiki Tandy. Uh, they'll have Kunkel, they'll have Ben Stanley, and they'll have Zach Fremantle that's a five that's a starting five I like a lot I could see them you know, maybe winning the Big East assuming in 2021-22 obviously there's a lot of moves that'll be made but you look at what Villanova will have, Jeremiah Robinson Earl will almost definitely be gone Colin Gillespie will be gone Um, I mean Brian Antoine, if he has a good season he could be gone I mean, there's a lot of turnover that could happen to Villanova. UConn, I'm assuming James Booknight is gone. Josh Carleton will be gone. Uh, anybody else from UConn that will probably be gone? Uh,
0: I think James Booknight enough is enough to yeah. drop them down a little.
1: Creighton, Marcus Zagorowski, he'll probably be gone. Mitch yeah. Ballack will be gone because he'll graduate. Uh, who else? Christian Bishop, I think he's a junior, so he will be there. But then you look at Marquette, DJ Carton's probably gone. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just going to be – there's going to be a lot of turnover in the Big East after this year.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see definitely with the turnover. But right now, just looking ahead two seasons, we don't necessarily know the rosters, what exactly they'll look like. But Xavier's certainly going to be pretty good. Yeah. Well, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. Uh, I told Sean beforehand, I bet this goes over 100 minutes. Uh, It did go over 100 minutes, so I would win
1: that.
0: Uh, So thanks again for listening. Uh, If you made it to this far, uh, congratulations. You get a gold sticker. Uh, But thanks again for listening. And any last words before we sign off here?
1: Uh, yeah. Make sure you follow both of us on Twitter. I'm at Sean02MTM. I have, like, 269 followers right now, so, like, nice. But, like, I want to be to like, 300 soon, so that'd be awesome if you could do that. Follow him at Bracketologist3. Subscribe to the Making the Madness YouTube channel. There's going to be – we have big plans for that. We're discussing some things, so just stay tuned. Make sure you like and subscribe on the videos. And uh, that's – thanks for listening.
0: Stay tuned to the Making the Madness YouTube channel. Fun stuff coming up, and follow Sean on Twitter, Sean02MTM. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Have a good day.